Have you ever thought about doing your own podcast? If you have, the best answer for doing one is Anchor. Anchor is your one-stop shop for recording, posting, and distributing your podcast. Anchor is available to download for your Apple or Android devices, or you can go to anchor.fm. Best of all, it's 100% free and so easy to use. So what are you waiting for? If you want to start your own podcast, download the Anchor app now or go to anchor.fm. That's A-N-C-H-O-R. Anchor, the best way to make your podcast. is the Mofobo Network Podcast, bringing you the most up-to-date news in the wide world of sports. Now, here's your host, Neil Villapiano. What is going on, everybody? It is your host, Neil Villapiano, and I'm back today with another edition of the Mofobo network podcast here on spotify the best place to get the most up-to-date news going on in the wide world of sports as always thank you guys so very much for taking some time out of your day to check this episode out i do greatly appreciate it we always have great topics to get to and we haven't had a guest in a while but today we actually have a special guest he is somebody who has been on the podcast before we were talking about, um, I believe we were talking about the, the Premier League, or I think we were previewing it um, way back a few months ago, and uh, it's crazy how much time flies, but he's also a diehard Philadelphia Eagles fan, and our discussion today is going to be about number 11, Carson Wentz, or Wentzylvania, as some people like to say. Maybe not as much right now, but they at least... In the recent past, they have called him that. But it is a pleasure to once again welcome on a good friend of the Mofobo Network podcast, Garrett Novak. Garrett, welcome back to the Mofobo Network podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, belated happy Thanksgiving to, uh, to everybody. I hope everyone was, was safe and got to at least spend some time with their family. Um, but yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, thanks again for having me on. It's, it's been a while, but uh, I'm excited to be back. Well, we are excited to have you back. So obviously, Garrett, as I mentioned just just a few seconds ago, you are a diehard Philadelphia Eagles fan. And I think it is safe to say it has not been uh, a great season for the Philadelphia Eagles. Matter of fact, it hasn't been a great season for anybody in the NFC least. Um, but the Eagles in particular, I think, have become maybe, I guess, other than the Cowboys, have become one of the biggest disappointments of this season. And we're going to be specifically talking about Carson Wentz. Now, Garrett, you might, you might feel some pain, but I'm going to take you back a little bit, not too long ago, back to December 10th, 2017. I think you remember that day pretty well. Just a little bit. <clears throat> All right. Well, in case anybody doesn't remember that day, let me elaborate. The Philadelphia Eagles are 10-2 and and running away with the NFC East title and the best record in the NFC. Carson Wentz is balling out with 3,005 yards, 29 touchdown passes to just six interceptions. He is by far at this point the MVP favorite. Unfortunately, in the third quarter of that game, Wentz injured his knee on a scrambling dive into the end zone, and apparently the touchdown was called back because of a holding penalty. So add insult to injury, but Carson Wentz remained in the game. He courageously played through the pain for another four snaps, ultimately finding Alshon Jeffrey for a two-yard touchdown on fourth and goal. After the drive, Carson Wentz retreated to the locker room, giving way to backup Nick Foles. And then the very next day, which was basically a Monday, Eagles coach Doug Peterson confirmed that day that second-year quarterback Carson Wentz had suffered a season-ending knee injury on that, on that play, tearing his ACL, which pretty much guaranteed that his season was over. Now, Garrett, I'm sure, like many Eagles fans, you probably thought that the season was pretty much over 
because of that play. Am I correct? Not exactly because we were after that game, we were 11 and two because we did end up winning that <clears throat> with Nick Foles essentially leading us back. I wouldn't say leading us back, but making sure he led us to the victory that night. Right. Um, I was very concerned, especially when he walked into the locker room. I remember looking at my TV and I'm like, no, 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 no. This is not happening. No, no. Because we'd also had other injuries as well, um, right. as did the rest of the league that year. There were a lot of injuries in 2017. I do remember that. Um, but it, that, was, that was really one that I was hoping and praying that he would stay healthy the whole year, especially with the way he was playing. So I wouldn't say I thought the season was lost, but it was definitely going to be much harder to, to accomplish the things that many of us thought we could accomplish that year. Right. And obviously it was a, um, it, you really, you know, it was, it was sad for me because, you know, Carson Wentz was balling out. And I think had he remained healthy and played the rest of the year, I think he would have definitely won league MVP. He was just that much better than basically everyone else. And they ended up, I think they ended up giving it to Tom Brady. Uh, they did. Um, yeah. I, I still think Carson Wentz still should have won it that year. I right. may or may not be a little biased, but I think overall, I think Carson Wentz did play better than Tom Brady that year. That's Absolutely. not to say that Tom Brady was not, was not outstanding that year either. Yeah. What people don't realize, and, and especially I think some Eagles fans, is that a lot has happened to Carson Wentz since that day, that, that fateful day. And it starts with, the Eagles actually ended up going and winning the Super Bowl that same season, you know, led by Nick Foles, obviously taking them on that long, magical trip to beating Tom Brady in, I think, one of the highest, if not the highest scoring Super Bowl, especially in the last 10 years that we've seen. It was definitely a tremendous game. And Nick Foles ended up winning Super Bowl MVP. He became the hero and the good guy. Wentz, on the other hand, ever since then, has become to many people an afterthought and almost the villain of Eagles fans. I, I, I know I'm not speaking for you necessarily, Garrett, but I would say a lot of Eagles fans I know have even right after that Super Bowl, they had completely forgotten that Nick, that Carson Wentz was on the team um, and he was their franchise quarterback. And the next thing that happened, Garrett, and I'd like you to try to help me understand this, was the city built a statue of the of Nick Foles and Doug Peterson talking right before the infamous Philly special play while Nick Foles and Carson Wentz were still on the damn team. Can you explain to me why that happened? I can try. <laughs> my my only thought is that it was a way to commemorate our first Super Bowl or our first championship in the Super Bowl era, rather, because we had won three before the Super Bowl became the Super Bowl right. in 66. Mm -hmm. So it was a way to commemorate for the first time in over 50 years uh, the Philadelphia Eagles winning an NFL championship. I think that <clears throat> I agree that it did seem weird that it was commemorating Nick Foles and Doug Peterson when Nick Foles was the backup quarterback. But at the same time, that's also kind of encapsulated the Eagles season where they were consistently underdogs when, especially when Carson Wentz was out for the year, um, especially when they were, when they were the number one seed and right. had the best record in football going into the playoffs, many people counted them out and they kind of took on that underdog mentality. And I think that statue in some ways really does commemorate and represent that by having a backup quarterback, um, a very um, neophyte head coach in Doug Peterson and taking on the, the Goliath. It was very much a David and Goliath Super Bowl with the, um, the Eagles who had only been to a handful. I think that was only the third, third or fourth one we'd been to. No, I can't remember. Super Bowl. The first it was the third. They, they lost, lost to the, the Raiders and the yeah. second one they lost to the Patriots, which mm -hmm. I remember watching that game to yeah. another Adam Vinatieri field goal, but I digress. Yes, um, yeah, I agree. But, I, that is true. But it was very much a David and Goliath game, and it was to commemorate the underdogs defying the odds of winning it all. Um, I, a lot of people use that as adding fuel to the fire of the Carson Wentz versus Nick Foles debate. Um, we will probably discuss where I stand on that, right. um, but that's probably for later on. Right. But that's my guess as to why they built the statue was right. to commemorate and really represent the underdog mentality of the Eagles that year. And that they defied, they defied what many people thought that they couldn't do. They didn't, they, they didn't think they could continue to win. They didn't think that they could 
beat Minneapolis in uh, in the NFC Championship game. And not only did they beat them, they wrecked them. And many people didn't. They, many people were taking probably the safe bet of Brady and Belichick winning Super Bowl Fifty Two. Right. And while they gave the Eagles a chance, they didn't think that they would come out in the end. And they ended up doing that. So very long-winded answer of saying that's why I think it was to, to commemorate that, that underdog mentality that no, right. uh, they took on in the playoffs. Right. And I, and I get that. Um, you know, one of the things that I will personally say, and I'm not, and look, I'm not an Eagles fan. I'm actually to, to some people who will probably listen to this, they're going to grow but I am a Giants fan. So obviously, um, you know, whatever the Eagles do, it doesn't really, doesn't really make me smile. I mean, I did, I will, I won't lie that I did kind of want to see them win the Super Bowl Cause I was like, it's better to see them win it than see the Patriots win it again. So that was, that was great. But when I heard originally that, <laughs> that the Eagles in the city of Philadelphia did that, I said, I think they should wait until both of those guys at least are not on the team anymore. Because, you know, to me, when you have, a, when, you know, you think about Carson Wentz's mental, you know, mental state, he has to walk past that every single day when he goes to work. He has to be reminded of it all the time that that could have been him had he not gotten hurt. Because, you know, the Eagles could have still gone on and won the Super Bowl with Carson Wentz. I don't know. It could have, could have very well been that case. But I, I felt like that was, um, that was a tad bit disrespectful, especially when they were both still on the team. And I felt like it was a little bit early. I think they should have personally waited a little bit. But, you know, I digress. Nonetheless, um, then you go into the next season. Wentz gets hurt to get Wentz got hurt again, and then Nick Foles once again came in to relieve Carson Wentz, and they led them all the way to the NFC Divisional Round, where they nearly beat the New Orleans Saints and nearly got back to the NFC Championship game. And who knows, maybe they would have gotten back to a second Super Bowl. But I digress. And then going after that season, the team basically talking about the Eagles, they had a choice between giving Carson Wentz you know, the full reins as the franchise quarterback for the future or investing in Nick Foles. Well, the Eagles decided to go with Carson Wentz. Now, my opinion on that, I thought it was a smart decision because I never really thought that, you know, Nick Foles was going to get any better than where he was. I felt like that he was going to get, he was going to start to really regress. And we've kind of seen that over the last couple of years with him getting hurt in Jacksonville and never really getting anything going there. And then this year in Chicago with the Bears, he hasn't really looked that good, you know, either. And maybe Nick Foles and the Eagles are just supposed to supposed to work, no matter how many times they get together. But nonetheless, the Eagles went with Carson Wentz. I personally, again, like I said, thought that that was the right decision. They ended up signing Carson Wentz to a four-year, $128 million contract with $170 million guaranteed. And then last season, they lost in a wildcard game, and Wentz, unfortunately, didn't even finish the game as he once again got hurt and didn't return, and they ended up having to go to Josh McCown, who nearly took them back and got them a victory in that game. So going into the season, there was a lot of frustration and pressure on Carson Wentz to regain some of that MVP form we saw from 2017. And this year, I think, Gary, you could probably agree with me that this might be, without a doubt, Nick, uh, Carson Wentz's worst season in his career. The Eagles sit, as of right now, 3-7-1 in third place in the NFC lease. Carson Wentz has a 49.7 QBR, which is fifth worst in the NFL, a 58.1 completion percentage, 16 touchdowns, which is basically you know, middle of the pack, and 15 interceptions, which is by far the most of any quarterback other than the New York Giants quarterback, Daniel Jones. And also, and this is a little bit more knock on the offensive line, Carson Wentz has been sacked more this year than any year he has been the quarterback of the Eagles. He has been sacked 46 times. And I put out a poll, which Garrett, I know you saw, that I said, I personally believe that there is a lot more blame on the city of Philadelphia and the Eagles front office for why Wentz has regressed so much in his career than Wentz himself. The team and fan base have never supported him since they won the Super Bowl. And I asked for people to give their opinion. And I gave people four options. And I found this to be kind of surprising. I gave an option of Wentz gets full blame, 
It's on Philly. It's on the front office. Blame everyone. 13 people voted. 46% said blame everyone. 23% said it's the front office. 31% said it's on Philly. 0% said it was Wentz all it was all Wentz's fault, which is surprising considering some of the Eagles fans and people I've spoken to, it seems like that all they want to do is put the blame on Carson Wentz. Now, I'm just going to finish by saying I, you know, stand by what I said. I believe that the Eagles built their team for that one year in two, you know, when they won the Super Bowl, and they never really seemed to have you know, given Carson Wentz the weapons that he needs. Now, some of them have gotten hurt. You have, you know, Zach Ertz, who's been hurt most of the season. Deshaun Jackson, I don't even know if he's still on the team at this point because he's been on IR for so long. They let go of Nelson Aguilar, who has become arguably the Raiders' best receiver and catches everything, apparently. You know, and so they have these young, inexperienced receivers, some practice squad guys that just, you know, they're doing the best that they can, but they've dropped passes. They dropped a handful against the Seahawks on Monday night. And I know Carson Wentz still makes mistakes, but I don't like the fact that everybody keeps putting all the blame on Carson Wentz. And I also do personally believe that Carson Wentz is fixable. He just has to get out of Philadelphia, which unfortunately he can't because if the Eagles end up giving up on Carson Wentz and God forbid cutting him, the Eagles would have to eat up, and I'm not making this up, folks, $59 million for next season. $59 million. Obviously, the Eagles are not going to be crazy enough to do that. So the next best thing is probably that Doug Peterson will be out of a job, whether, you know, unless the Eagles do make the playoffs, which is still, sadly enough, a very, very likely possibility considering the circumstances. But bottom line for me, as I'll finish here and let Garrett speak, I think that the, the criticism and the dislike and the distaste of Carson Wentz is at times unfair. I feel that Eagles fan, you know, some Eagles fans are way too harsh on Carson Wentz. I think they have to be realistic and say the team is not fully built around him. And I think if the Eagles had the right team around Carson Wentz, I think things would be a lot better. I do think also Doug Peterson needs to give up the offensive play calling for a while and see how it goes. Um, but I just don't think that Carson Wentz deserves all of the blame for everything that has happened over the last couple of years. So, Garrett, what say you? I say I agree with a lot of what you say. And I want to also philadelphia eagles captain as i always do and kind of give you some some context as to how i view it um dating back to the 2019 offseason when the eagles decided to trade nick Foles and sign carson wentz to his large to his large contract they they essentially took the upside with wentz they saw him as younger they saw him with a higher ceiling and they also knew exactly what he could do especially um, with that MVP caliber season and the year they won the Super Bowl. Um, you know, in that, in the 2019 season, you know, he, like you mentioned, didn't finish the game against Seattle. And I'm a little biased here. I think it's because he got, uh, he took a very dirty hit to the back of the head by Jadavion mm -hmm. Clowney. Again, I'm biased. I think it was a dirty hit, but I agree 100% with that. But I digress. Uh, that's not really an injury that I blame on him. That's him making a, that's Carson playing a, making a football play and playing how he is. And I understand injuries are part of the game, but I also think that it was a dirty hit that was unfair to him. So I, I don't think it's fair to attribute that injury to Carson Wentz being injury prone because that is a very common argument that people say. I think that is something that should not have happened because it was not a clean play. Um, and that is, it is also a part of football. Um, I also think in the 2019 season, there's, there was a lot there to continue to hopefully build on. Um, the main stat that everybody likes to throw around is Carson Wentz had 4,000 yards passing in 2019, but had zero receivers above 500 yards receiving. Zero wide receivers. That Ooh. doesn't include tight ends or running backs, I believe. The point there is that, again, you see the upside in Carson Wentz and being able to carry, as I remember watching Colin Cowherd say a lot of this, carrying deck chairs and lawn furniture into the postseason Ooh. and uh, and into the playoffs with a, uh, with a puncher's chance at taking out the Seahawks. 
Um, <clears throat> so again, going into the season, we know the upside of Carson Wentz. We're seeing that hopefully with maybe some pieces that uh, the front office was trying to put together that maybe Carson Wentz continues to go strength for strength. And it, it clearly has not been the case this season. Um, I do agree that it has been a very tough season to watch uh, and it has, has not been fun as an Eagles fan. And yet somehow we're still in it with the uh, tire fire of the NFC least, but that's, I guess that's a, that's another part of the story. Yep. Um, I, I think the injuries really haven't helped them. Um, of course, plenty of injuries last year and this year in, in different, in different positions. The last year was, it was the wide receiver group, but that was Sean Jeffrey, hardly playing and with him you know, obviously being one of the the main receivers in the year they won the Super Bowl as well uh, and this year it's been the O-line it's I believe watching the game on Monday one of the stat was I think this is the 10th different starting offensive lineman uh, group that he's worked with this season and we were know, 11 games in that was game number what 11 12 that was game number 12 12 yeah so you're starting, you're starting a, a quote-unquote new offensive line almost every week of the season, which, again, very hard to have cohesion, especially with the unique season that we've had. Um, I think that's definitely contributed to him being sacked 46 times this year. Again, far and away, he was already the most sacked QB going into the game on Monday. Right. And then, then, then Seattle, who now look completely different when, they, when they've added Carlos Dunlap and get Jamal Adams back, terrorize him and sack him six more times. Right. And on top of that, even more QB hurries and pressures that just afforded him no time to get anything going on offense. Right. Um, so I, I think the offensive line has contributed to that. And again, it seems like a little bit of a cop-out a bit, but injuries are part of the game and it's, it's how you adapt. And the, the, the O-line has not adapted well to those injuries, especially with when you lose two of your, two of your five starters to year-ending injuries in training camp and Brandon Brooks and Andre Dillard, it's already not a great start. And having to re-sign Jason Peters when they weren't intending to, or if they were not planning to play him at left tackle, now Lane Johnson's ankle is flaring up again, and he's been shut down for a little bit while now. It was news today um, mm -hmm. when we were recording. So I think that's definitely contributed to it. Um, I also believe, I think I did participate in that poll too, Neil. And I believe I said, I believe I said, blame everyone. Mm. Um, I disagree in saying that there should be zero blame on Carson Wentz. I think there should be some blame. Um, I think that everybody is playing a part in Carson Wentz's regression this year. Um, partially because I think Carson's tendency to always try to make a play happen while it can't, while it can lead to amazing things can also lead, um, lead him to situations where, you know, he's making poor decisions and costing the team. He's got a very bad habit of fumbling a lot over his years in the league. Um, and his decision-making decision-making has not been, great this year um but i also do agree i also believe that we should blame everybody everybody should be to blame here we talked about doug peterson a little bit um and saying and you're saying he's not a good play good play caller and i i tend to agree with that i would not fire him yet because i think he's still a great head coach maybe not so much a good play caller and I think the reason why we haven't seen the, the one main stat that I've seen that's kind of that's attributed or contributed to that argument is we look at the year they won the Super Bowl. The Eagles were so good because they got out to early leads and were scoring early. The offensive coordinator in 2017, the person calling plays was not Doug Peterson. It was Frank Reich, who's now the head coach in Indianapolis. And now we're seeing, and we're seeing them even with a 30 you know, high 30 year old Phillip rivers still being extremely competitive. And they've done an outstanding job building that football team. And then as Doug Peterson over the past few years has taken on more and more responsibility of playing calls, we've seen the, the offense, especially in the first half regress hard and not put up a lot of points in the first half, which right. is causing Eagles to maybe abandon game scripts or consistently play from behind because the, because the defense has been so-so at best and horrible at worst. And with Doug Peterson's strengths maybe not being so much in play calling, I think that's contributed to the regression of Carson Wentz and the team as a whole. Finally, I think the, team, the part that's more to blame is the front office and roster construction. That's not to say that Howie Roseman is a bad uh, executive vice president. 
Mm-hmm. I would say that Harry Roseman is not a good general manager and not and not as good in actually building a roster. In terms of the finances and running the team like a company, yep. he is brilliant and one of the best in the business. But building a football roster is not his forte, and that's okay. It is more the fact that the Eagles need to get somebody in there that can actually build a roster and can draft appropriately. And that will lead to, again, other arguments of why spend a second round pick on Jalen Hurts. That could be a story for another time. Uh, My reaction to that was not one of happiness, and that's not because I don't value Jalen Hurts, is that I think they should have used that pick somewhere else. That's a whole other argument. My point is, is that I agree with people saying that everyone is to blame here. There is some blame on Carson Wentz with his regression. Um and his decision-making, and I think he needs to improve. But I also think that he is not the sole reason why the Eagles are, uh, are no longer first place in a division where the first-place team is 4-7 and seven and not even, and called a football team. Well, technically, the, the Giants oh, the are... Giant, the Giants have it because of the tie, of the, the right. tiebreaker. My, right. my apologies. Uh, the, no, I, I need to put some respect on the Giants' name. <laughs> well, I mean, look, the Giants, obviously, this week, they're going in with most likely they're not going to be with Daniel Jones because... You know, he, he hurt his hamstring, but luckily it's nothing serious. But, you know, going to Seattle to play that Seahawks defense that just got a whole lot better and, you know, did pretty damn well against the Eagles on Monday, you know, it doesn't really, you know, I, I don't think the, the hold on the NFC least is going to be that long. But, you know, crazier things have happened. But, you know, you did mention the fact that, you know, we talked about, you know, Doug Peterson, you know, calls the plays now. And that's primarily because he fired – both offensive coordinator Mike Grell and receivers coach Carson Walsh back on, I believe it was January 9th or 8th of this year, mm-hmm. um, which was really surprising to me. But the thing that surprised me the most was that they never hired anyone else. They kept, you know, you know, Doug Peterson just decided, oh, I'm going to be in charge. And look, that's fine if you're actually, you know, having success. But it's clearly obvious that sometimes the play calling that I'm seeing with some of these plays, it's just there isn't much creativity there. I mean, we're seeing, you know, we, we've seen head coaches before take control of play calling. Let's look at the Jets. You know, Adam Gase basically calls the plays, and, you know, look how that's going for him. But that's, uh, that's a completely different, uh, different podcast episode for another day. But <laughs> Multiple podcast episodes for another day. <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, so, again, I probably should have reworded you know, one of the options on the, the Twitter poll, what I should have said was um, all the blame goes on Carson Wentz. Not like, you know, what I meant to say was there is blame to be made, like you said, Garrett, for Carson Wentz. You know, he does have to go out there and do what he needs to do, you know. But I've always argued that it's, you know, because of his regression, it's not fully 100% him. That's the same argument that I make with Sam Donald. Some people say Sam Donald is terrible. I actually think it's more to do with he's shell-shocked by how bad the Jets have been since he got there, especially with Adam Gase. He's just so shell-shocked by the, the losing and the embarrassment that there's just no prayer for him to be able to revive his career in, in New York. And that's why I think that, you know, if Carson Wentz could go somewhere where maybe he's not the starter, maybe he can back up somebody and learn from somebody who, you know, is an offensive, um, I wouldn't say genius, but definitely understands, you know, what needs to be, needs to be fixed. You know, I think that could go a long way. You know, I, you know, I, you know, I look at certain teams. I look at somebody like, I don't know, Indianapolis, you know, we, we don't know what the Colts are going to want to do after the season with, uh, with Phillip Rivers. I mean, heck, they might even make the playoffs for all we know, but that could be a team that a younger quarterback could go to and back up and maybe learn under and eventually, take over maybe Chicago you know we don't know what their situation is going to be after this year with Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky we, we don't know you know there's also maybe Tampa Bay maybe Carson Wentz could go there and be Brady's backup for another year or two and then Brady hangs it up and Carson Wentz can take over and kind of uh, you know regain his confidence but I just I think that personally the longer that Carson Wentz stays in Philadelphia the worse it hurts not only him you know him but also can hurt the Philadelphia Eagles as a whole. But, you know, I'm, I think unfortunately what's going to happen is that the Eagles are going to be like, well, we can't fire the quarterback. So we're going to have to probably fire Doug Peterson and try to get somebody here to try to revive, you know, 
Carson Wentz's career. And I saw this article that came out today from CBS earlier this morning that said the title was Carson Wentz is the next or is similar to Derek Carr. And that should be okay with Eagles fans. And I said, um, that's a really weird comparison, especially because I think Derek Carr is a little bit better than Carson Wentz at the moment, but it's not like he's that much better. I mean, let's face it. Derek Carr had a terrible game getting the doors blown off him by the, you know, the lowly Atlanta Falcons this past week. And it's not like the Raiders are, you know, you know, have one or two losses, you know, they're, they're six and four, six and five right now. And they're, you know, they could very well be out of the, uh, out of the playoffs um, altogether again if they don't get things squared away. But it's a, it was a really interesting article. But I think at the end of the day, I would just um, – I think the Eagles really have to make that hard decision. It's either do we just – do we blow it up? I mean, do we blow it up after the season? Or do we, do we get rid of the coach? Do we buy out the quarterback, God forbid? I think buying out Carson Wentz is the, le- is the least likely thing that's going to happen considering the money that's um, – that that's you know you'd have to you have to eat in order to uh, buy him out. But I, I think no matter what happens the rest of the way, wholesale changes are probably going to happen. What do you think? Uh, well, I would agree, and there's a few factors that go into why there are. I'm not saying that I hope there are. I'm saying there are going to be. And the number one reason is because um, let me let me put it this way: there is the old adage of there's seven layers of hell. Uh, there's an eighth layer, and it's going to be the Eagles cap space situation going into this offseason. It is an ungodly amount of cap space that they're going to be over. I actually had to, I had to look this up because I knew it was bad, and I knew it was an obscenely high amount, but I wanted to double-check and see. It was according to, I think it was SpotRack. I don't even know if I'm saying that website Spot right. Track, yeah. Yeah. Um, according with the current contracts that the Eagles have now, and with the salary cap staying the same, not potentially contracting due to COVID going into the next offseason. If the salary cap were to stay the same going into this upcoming offseason, the Eagles would currently be $63.5 million over the cap. Oh, oh my God. That, so, that is insane. That is pretty self-explanatory as to why there are going to be wholesale changes on the roster side there are going to be a lot of expensive contracts that are not going to be able to be kept up because of uh, the, uh, let's say, unique ways of building a roster in the past few years by Howie Roseman. Again, we were able to accomplish a Super Bowl. I get that. There was going to be a time where the bill had to be paid, and this offseason is going to be that time. So there are going to be wholesale changes on the roster. There are going to be plenty of stars, in my opinion, that are leaving the uh, Philadelphia Eagles because of their contracts or their age. One of which I do not, I do not foresee leaving is Carson Wentz. The right. number one reason, again, they invested so much money. And with that, the eye-watering figure you mentioned, it would no doubtably, undoubtedly be a new NFL record for the most amount of dead money that a team would, would take on for releasing a player at that point in their contract. Yes. Again, there, there is, is no, there is no way the Eagles could financially take on cutting Carson Wentz and eating that dead money right. or that cap hit. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Number two, with Carson Wentz, if Carson Wentz were to leave, we have no guarantees that Jalen Hurts or Nate Sudfeld, who has <laughs> consistently been healthy scratches, or anybody else that they bring in would be any better because of the aging roster and the underperforming roster. Again, we talk about the offensive line. I really don't, and we saw it again with, with players like Sam, like Sam Darnold as well. You mentioned with the Jets. I tend to agree that I think Sam Darnold is better than how he plays in New York, but I also think that's because the players around him are not great. And again, with offensive line issues uh, for the Jets, that really does hamper a quarterback's yep. progression and development. So I think the same thing would be happening regardless if Carson Wentz left or if he stayed. I think if the offensive line doesn't get retooled, it is one of, I think it is probably the most important position group in football right now because there's not as many offensive linemen that are, that are really pro bowl or, or all pro levels that can really help a quarterback 
really have enough time to make things happen apart, apart from your Mercurial talents, like, I don't know, your Russell Wilson's, your Patrick Mahomes is your right. Aaron Rodgers. Um, Wentz does have the ability to be someone like uh, hopefully an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson, um, but he just hasn't shown it recently. And I think with that, you have to build a strong O-lineman, strong O-line around that. Um, so that's number one, why I think there will be wholesale changes. Number two, um, we've even seen recently, I think it was not the Seahawks game, but the week before, um, where Jeffrey Lurie actually missed the game on purpose. Our Jeffrey Lurie is the team's CEO and owner actually missed the game on purpose because he was frustrated with how the team was performing. So I, I think with that, we are, again, it's almost the writing is, is on the wall that there are going to be changes as far as what they are. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Um, and I, I think number three with that is, actually, I can't remember where I was going with number three. Those are really the, those are really the two, right. the two main ones is that the, with the Eagles cap situation, there are going to be changes. It's a matter of how big or how creative they're going to get with their roster building. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think, again, like I mentioned, I would like Doug Peterson to stay as the head coach, but not the play, play caller. You mentioned the, the dismissal of Mike Rowe as the offensive coordinator going into the season. Uh, I remember reading a lot of things online that Eagles fans were relatively were okay with Mike Grohl being, uh, being fired, um, and were, but were skeptical of Doug Peterson taking over play calling duties. And clearly they, we have regressed as an offense because of that. And I think a new offensive coordinator um, would need to be brought in in order to help elevate the offense. And, you know, right now, obviously, the Eagles are not going to make any moves like that because, you know, you look at the fact that they're still in the playoff race. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the sad thing, as we mentioned before, about this division, the fact that the best team in this division is four and seven. I mean, that's that 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 just tells you all you need to know right there. So, I mean, I wouldn't expect the Eagles to make any drastic moves if they have to until after the season, uh, depending on how that how the season goes. I think. You know, they could easily make the playoffs with a below 500 record. I personally think that whoever makes the playoffs in the NFC East is going to have a below 500 record. I just, I agree. That's just my opinion on it. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's a good chance that the NFC East could go 0 4 this week, this upcoming week. I, it's, you know, what do you have? The Giants playing the Seahawks, you have Washington playing the Steelers, who I think just moments, you know, while we're in the middle of this, I think moments ago just secured their victory finally over the Ravens. Um, and then you have the – who are the Eagles playing? The Packers. They play the Packers, and then the Cowboys play the Ravens? Yes. Oh, well, so, they're supposed to. Let's, right, uh, let's, supposed let's, to. Let's, let's see how the scheduling plays out. Right, right. They're supposed to. Um, but, I, I mean, that's just – you know, there's, there's a good chance that the division could just remain the same for another week uh, after it's all said and done. But, you know, crazier things have happened, especially in this year, without a doubt. But, you know – let, let's talk about let's talk about to kind of to kind of finish this here. Let, let's talk a little bit about Jalen Hurts because I just want to bring this up, um, and you can go on as long as you need to. But this is my feeling. Like you, I was really surprised that the Eagles took Jalen Hurts. I think we we talked about it before. Like we talked about teams that Jalen Hurts would go to. We were thinking like I forgot what we were thinking. I think we were thinking like Buffalo or something like that, or a team I, that actually would develop him. You know, I, was say, I, th- I think we could agree that the Eagles were not on that list of teams. Exactly, exactly. And so when the Eagles did that, it was a shock, to say the least. Um, you know, it was just – it just didn't make a lot of sense. It was like, okay, this clearly means that the Eagles do not trust Carson Wentz. But since Jalen Hurts got drafted, the only time you ever see Jalen Hurts come in the game, it's one of two things. Either he keeps the football or he hands it off. And the fact that they also keep Carson Wentz on the field just makes it obvious what they're doing. So on that particular play, unless Jalen Hurts can, you know, get past tacklers or their offensive line can block, it's really not that unpredictable. And it's not going to phase many defenses. And I just kind of wonder to myself, do they just not trust him to throw the football? I've always wondered why they just let him throw a pass and see what happens. I have heard, though, from sources that, you know, cover the Philadelphia Eagles that, you know, the Eagles organization doesn't feel fully confident in Jalen Hurts as a passer. So that's why they haven't really given him that opportunity. I did also hear that apparently the Eagles front office was saying that if Carson Wentz was struggling against Seattle, that Doug Peterson had the right to bench Carson Wentz and put in uh, Jalen Hurts. And 
Carson Wentz did struggle, but they were pretty much in that game for, I would say, three quarters. And he still struggled, and I still was kind of waiting for that point, especially after he threw the interception in the end zone as they were driving. I kind of felt like that would have been the perfect time. But they kept showing on TV Jalen Hurts just standing on the sidelines, and he didn't look upset. I think in many ways he's probably standing there wondering to himself, why am I here? Why am I on this team? Why did they draft me in the second round, you know, and, and, and I'm not even getting an opportunity? And I think there's two things that I'll say about that. Number one, I don't personally believe that Doug Peterson was the one that wanted Jalen Hurts. I believe that was a front office decision. I believe they wanted that to get maybe some insurance for Carson Wentz, maybe put some pressure on him to kind of get things rolling. And number two, I think the biggest reason why Carson Wentz hasn't been pulled and hasn't been benched is because the Eagles are still in the playoff hunt. They're, they're still there. So, and they feel that Carson Wentz gives them the best opportunity to win. And, they, and I remember, you know, Steve Levy even asked the guys in the Monday Night Football crew that question, and they all said, Carson Wentz gives this team the best chance to win right now. And, you know, if they were in a playoff position, I think that, you know, Jalen Hurts would have been would have started a game by now but I think those two reasons are you know are big as to you know why they're in the position right now with Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz yeah and I mean I think the fact that we mentioned the play calling with Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts being on the field at the same time the majority of the time Jalen Hurts has been in and I think that's just a perfect example of how weird the play calling is especially when you're almost kind of telegraphing essentially what you're planning to do with your offense when you have both Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts on the field. Um, uh, to use a second rounder on a player like Jalen Hurts, and this is not to be a knock on Jalen Hurts as a person or as a football player. Obviously, he's an extremely talented football player. But to use a second round pick on him with a team that invested a lot of money in their quarterback, to me was baffling. And I believe I yelled at the TV when the pick was made. Again, not, not as a knock to Jalen Hurts as a football player, but more the Eagles in drafting that type of football player in the second round when, at least in my opinion, I didn't think it was a pressing need that they needed, that they needed. Um, I, I think it was a front office decision. Uh, I, again, I don't know the whole story on whose decision it actually was. There could be rumors flying around. He, he said, she said, um, to me, it makes sense if it was a front office decision. But again, I think that just kind of highlights one of the, one of the weaknesses, um, of how the Eagles have been roster building over the past few years and really just the draft in general, they have been atrocious at drafting talent um, over the past five, six years anyway. So it's, uh, again, I, I really don't know how the Eagles are going to, how they should have been using Jalen Hurts. I think they should have used a second round pick on somebody different. Again, as I've said, it's not a knock on Jalen Hurts as a person or a football player. It's as a fan of my team and wanting to see, see my team succeed. And I don't think picking Jalen Hurts at that time or at that using the draft pick they did to draft him was a very was a very good was a very positive move. Now, my last question to you, Garrett, and, and again, thank you again for coming on today. We we do appreciate it a lot. Is simply this: Where do you see the Eagles going forward? Not just for the rest of this season, but you know, in the future. The Eagles will not be in the playoffs for the next probably two to three seasons at least. And that is partially because of some of the things I highlighted earlier, especially with the issues with their cap space, uh, the issues with their roster building, their team being much being older, being comprised of veterans with larger contracts, um, with a roster that has not uh, does not have a lot of ta- young talent because the drafting by the front office has been subpar at best and horrific at worst over the past few years. So there is, it's very difficult to see this team going up or being on an upward trend in the next few years. Um, as sad as it is for me to say that, because I would love to see my team winning and succeeding, I, I don't think it's going to be a very good few years. And it's going to be, it's going to be a little bit before we see the Eagles um, not really not, not only contending for uh, the division um, if the division continues to improve or hopefully improves, but the, the Eagles probably will not, but should not be a Super Bowl threat for at least the next probably three years or so. 
I think that's uh, as fair as you can fair as you can make it. Um, I think that it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the season goes for not just the Eagles but the entire NFC East. And you know, we'll we'll see what happens uh, when the dust finally settles. I'll be interested to see how the Eagles make changes with regards to you know trying to help Carson Wentz. And you know, we'll see what what happens in the future. But Garrett, again, my friend, thank you so much for coming on today. We really, really do appreciate it. And we'll definitely have you back on again, especially when we get a little bit closer to around the final four of the Champions League, which I think we're down, we're now down to what, the 16? We're down to the final 16 after today? I, uh, I think there's one more game week. I think, I think we have one right. more round of the group stage and then we're into the, the last and then, 16. And then we're the last 16. But we'll definitely have you on for that uh, in a couple of weeks. But again, man, thank you so much for coming on today. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you again for having me, Neil. Um, it's always a pleasure and it's, uh, it's great to talk about this stuff. You know, it's amazing. We can actually talk about more than just soccer, European <laughs> football. It's right. awesome. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about more things other than these two sports in the future. No doubt. Agreed. Agreed. All right, man. Thanks for having, thanks for coming on again. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Now, before you guys hear, you know, my outro that I have after every episode of the Mofobo Network podcast, I do wanted to make one very special announcement that's going on in my world, uh, it's career-wise, and I'm really excited to share it with you. So as you guys probably know, on my outro, I always talk about, you know, my first book, J-E-T-S, Pain, 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 The Pain and Suffering of Being a Jets Fan, which is still available for hardcover ebook on Amazon or Barnes & Noble for the price of 1969. So if you're a Jets fan um, or a football fan, if you know someone who's one of those, uh, please go get that book. It's a great book, especially now that, you know, we're into December and we're getting you know, getting close to Christmas and obviously we've just had Black Friday. You know, it's the perfect book to get for the Jets fan in your life. So please go check that out. But I wanted to share that I have officially published my second book. That's right. I wrote another book and it's titled Meet the Mets Mess, the R-E-G-R-E-T-S of New York Town. That is right. I just published my second written book, I, pu I published it back on Black Friday. It's basically about the regret and all of those memories of being a New York Mets fan. So very similar, but not really in a way uh, to my Jets book. And it's, it's kind of the same thing, but still, you know, there's a lot of, there's positives in there. There's also a lot of negatives, you know, basically regret, you know, the Jets, it's pain, the Mets, it's regret. So this is, I was so excited to finally publish this. You know, I published my first one back in January of this year, and it took me, you know, less than a year to publish my second one. And so it's already available on Amazon, and it'll eventually be available on Barge and Noble as well for hardcover and ebook for also the price of 1969. And if you're a Mets fan, you probably guess why I chose that price as well. So please go get that book as well. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it again. The name of the book is Meet the Mets Mess, the R-E-G-R-E-T-S of New York Town. What's up, guys? It's your host, Neil Villapiano. Thank you so much for checking out this edition of the Mofobo Network Podcast. I appreciate all the love and support that you guys give me. If you want to check out more of this podcast, you can like and subscribe to it on both Anchor and Spotify. Just search Mofobo, M-O. F-O-B-O Network, and you will find this podcast. We post new episodes every single Tuesday and Thursday. So if you want to get your sports fix in, make sure you like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network podcast. If you want to listen to me talk more about what's going on in the world of sports, you can like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network YouTube channel. That's right, Mofobo Network presents where just like here on the podcast we have a topic to discuss that's going on in the world right now and we discuss it and sometimes it's about somebody who just passed away and we talk about their life and legacy sometimes it's a preview of, of something big that's going on you know it, whatever the case may be and whatever sport it is we are going to be talking about it we post new videos on that youtube channel every single wednesday so mofobo m-o-f-o-b-o network presents and you can find it like and subscribe to that as well and i would greatly greatly appreciate it and if you want to stay up to date with both the podcast episodes as well as the new youtube videos please subscribe 
to the Mofobo Network Facebook page. So go on Facebook, type in M-O-F-O-B-O Network, and you can subscribe to it. And there I will post when the new podcast episodes are out and when the new YouTube videos are out. So between Tuesday and Thursday of every single week, you get sports content and just tremendous up-to-the-date news from yours truly. So please go subscribe to all those and support me on there. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Make sure you also subscribe to the Devils State of Mind podcast, which is the New Jersey Devils hockey-based podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am the host of that podcast, and on that one, we discuss all things going on with the New Jersey Devils, all things hockey, and so much more. We have great guests to come on, great topics to discuss, and everything that you need. So if you need your up-to-the-date news with your New Jersey Devils, check out the Devil State of Mind podcast because we got you covered. We post new episodes of the podcast every single Monday on anywhere you listen to podcasts. So whether it's SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts, all you got to do is search Hockey Podcast Network or Devil's State of Mind and you will find it. We have social medias for the podcast. We have a Twitter at Devil's State. We have an Instagram at Devil's State of Mind. And just like Mofobo, we have the Devil's State of Mind podcast Facebook page. On all those, you can stay up to date with the new episodes, like I mentioned before, that we post every single Monday. And there's also a link within all three of those social medias where you can go to the main website of the Devil's State of Mind podcast, where if you bookmark it, you can stay right there with all the new episodes that we post. So please go subscribe to that as well and check it out. It's a lot of fun. And if you want to learn more about the game of hockey and learn more about a team like the New Jersey Devils or even just any of the other team-based podcasts that we have on the Hockey Podcast Network, go check those all out. Hockey Podcast Network or Devil's State of Mind, trust me, you will enjoy it. And last but certainly not least, Go check out my book right now on Amazon and also Barnes and Noble, J-E-T-S, Pain, Pain, Pain. It's about the pain and suffering of being a Jets fan for the Jets fan. That's right. If you want to learn about all the painful games, painful memories, painful player decisions, and everything else about the New York Jets, please go check out that book. I promise you, you'll love it. You'll either laugh, cry, you know, get in a lot of pain, or just a little bit of everything please go check that book out. It's available for hardcover and ebook for the price of $19.69. So if you're a Jets fan or a football fan, you probably guessed why I chose that price. So if you're a Jets fan, a football fan, if you know someone who's one of those, or if you just want to support me, please go check out my book again on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, J-E-T-S, Pain, Pain, Pain. My name is Neil Bell Piano. Thank you once again for checking out this edition of the Mofobo Network Podcast, and we will see you in the next episode. And as I always say at the end of every single episode, whether it's here on the podcast or on the YouTube channel, Mofobo Network Presents, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what hardships you might be dealing with right now in your life, just remember every day when you wake up in the morning to think positively, have a smile on your face, and kick some mofobo. So thank you to everyone who listened today and God bless.